86. I think that's that lapel. There we go. Okay, welcome and thanks. Um, thanks for being here this morning. Turn now to God's Word, and we will. I think we're nearing the end of our time in the book of Psalms. Uh, so we are turning today to Psalm chapter 55. And uh, just ask you to, to stand with me as we read God's Word together. Gracious Father, we come to you with humble hearts. Lord, knowing that you are God and that we are not, we ask that you would use your word right now to speak into our lives. Lord, give us ears to hear and minds to discern what you would have to say for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm chapter 55. Cast your burden on the Lord. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me and I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord. Divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they bound it on its walls. The iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We we walked in wrong. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, moan, and hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old because they do not, do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech, speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But, but you, God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I, I will trust in you. This is God's, is God's inspired for us this morning. Please be seated. Now me, you know that I'm not much of an artistic, artistic person. 
Um, in fa fact, that's the last thing um, that you mommy is an artist. I did a poem this morning, and this is actually going to serve as our sermon outline. Okay, give it to you at the beginning, and then line by line by line, going to be the points of our sermon. It's a little bit different. I'm sorry, ahead of time. So this is Psalm, Psalm 50 in a poem. A desperate plead to hear the broken hearts anxious when a once a once dear brings tears. But the Lord is ever near, and his love always fierce, for himself has been pierced by three nails and a spear. Now I don't know if you've ever been if you've ever been to a park, but if you have, you see lots of interesting and fun t-shirts. And one of my favorites is the T-shirt that on the that on the front is Bomb Squad, and on the back you've seen this one before, haven't you? If you see me running, try to keep up. <laughs> and that's sort of what I think about when I read Psalm 55. You know, you know, Calvin said this about the Psalm. He says we might learn from this passage not only that the sufferings which David endured at this time were time were heavy but that the fortitude of the greatest servants of God fails them in the hour of severe trial. So God's greatest servant, his own strength fails him in his hour of severe trial. And that, that left me kind of, think, kind of thinking, should I take solace or sadness from this idea that one of the great heroes of the faith was not immune from the painful tragedies and realities of life? And David begins this psalm by, by demanding an audience with God. He says, listen to me, God. Like, don't hide from me. Where is God? That's what David demands to know. Doesn't God see what I'm going through right now? Is God hiding? Is God deaf? Is God dumb? Which one is it? Because surely if God was good and God was great and God knew what I needed before I even asked him, then he would have dealt with this thing that I'm experiencing right now. I wouldn't feel so much anguish and so much anxiety. And really, when you think about it, these are many of the same questions of our age today. The questions of our hearts, where is God. And then if God doesn't respond, or if God doesn't give us the answer that we desire, the question may turn around to, is God there? We can quickly go from, go from doubting his empathy to doubting his very existence in a moment of pain and hardship. Many have said, if there is a God and, and, and he's then responsible for my pain, then I don't want to have anything to do with him or with his people. You know, if, if this is all there is, if God is just a passive observer, if he just stands back and watched as life goes by in front of us and he is powerless over anything, how could we not possibly reject a God like that? That's the desperate plea to hear. The broken hearts, anxious fears. Now, what do we do with our fears? Where do we go with our anxiety? Do we choose to fight or do we choose flight? Now, did you notice that David here says, I wish I had wings like a dove. 
He's not asking that he would have wings and soar up and be majestic and, and with God and have great power. What does he want to do? He wants to run away, to flee from the danger and the trial that he's experiencing. Now, author Eugene Peterson wrote this about, about this uh, statement. He said, maybe this is the reason that God didn't give us wings, that we would just use them not to obey his commands more quickly, but to escape from all of our unpleasant circumstances. See, when I was a child, I, I hated going to the dentist. I think I've told you this before. I still have a little bit of um, anxiety when any time it comes to go there. You know, I was told that I had either weak enamel. Well, that's what I was told. I think that was an excuse. I think really I just didn't brush my teeth enough. And every time I went to the dentist, I had cavities. And so if it was, when, I, when I knew it was time to go to the dentist, I started to, to, to feel sick to my stomach. And I could you know, feel already that, you know, the drill coming down in. And, and so one time my mom told me, hey, we're gonna, you're going to go to the dentist later today. And so I thought I would be brilliant and take my bike and go for the longest bike ride I could, I could possibly go on. And I went everywhere I could go. So I went past my school. I went past my friend's house. I went down through the woods. I was gone for hours thinking, surely by the time I get back, I'll have missed the dentist appointment and I'll never have to go back to the dentist again. Well, you, you may have know the end of this story. I got back and my mom said, great, you're right on time. Get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe you have attempted to flee, not necessarily from God, but maybe from your problems. You're from a particularly agonizing circumstance, thinking that if, if just this situation was changed, then all my problems would be solved. But, but what happens when we go on a trip? When we bring our baggage with us, don't we? And then when the novelty and excitement of a new place and a new people wear off, what do we find? Everything we tried so hard to leave behind is right there within us all along. You know, last week, uh, my friend Dale shared a little bit of the ministry that he and Carmen have been doing. And, and, and a big part of that has been working with pastors and missionaries who have attempted to solve their problems by changing their scenery, by, by leaving, leaving, and maybe even just going and working for God. Maybe the sin that they were trying to flee, to flee from was known. Maybe it was just the effects of the sin of other people in their lives. But, but if it was never dealt with, if that sin was never named, if it was never brought out into the light, only ignored, if that was the strategy for them dealing with sin, then guess what? what? It will return. It's only a matter of time. It's just a question of when and not if sin will rear its ugly head. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have those of us who, who, who choose to fight and not flee. Who fight all of our problems in our own power, out of our own natural abilities, and our own natural giftings, and our own strengths. And, and we know deep down that everything is really up to us. And if we don't do something to fix our situation, then no one is going to do it for, it for us. If we don't advocate for ourselves, if we don't have the strength within us, then there will be no deliverance. Charles Spurgeon warned against this. He said, he who cannot calmly leave his affairs in God's hands but will carry his burden is very likely to be tempted to use wrong means to help himself. So where do we turn when stress and anxiety come knocking 
on the doors of our hearts, threatening to overwhelm us. Like David, we long for wings to flee. Do we turn to those addictions and coping mechanisms that Dale talked about last week? They temporarily numb the pain. They mask it for a little while, yet in reality, in reality, lead us deeper into denial and, and despair and depression. Or do we, or do we fight in our strength? Demand, demand our own burdens and become so self-self-sufficient we refuse to allow anyone close enough to hurt us, to hurt us. Maybe this is why that we are in the greatest nation in the history, history of the world. Every measurement and index and index of flourishing and wealth and health at record highs, we have more anxiety, loneliness, and more, more, mental, more mental health than ever before. You see, God actually designed us with deficiencies, intentions, right? not accidentally, to show us that we cannot live life on our own, our own. What did he say when he saw that Adam didn't have a help helper suitable for him in the garden? It was not good. That was before the fall. We, we need community and relationship to live and be loved. And when a once friend brings tears, what happens when those who are supposed to love us do us harm. Now think back with me to the life, the life of David, who suffered greatly at the hands of those who were closest to him. Think back to family of origin when he's a young boy and, and his father and his brothers go off to the feast to do what? Defend, defend the sheep from lions and bears all by himself. Think back to, to King Saul, who when, who, when he was tempted by a harmful spirit, brought that same young boy, David, into his palace. It says that he loved him, him greatly, and he used David's masterful musicianship and his beautiful singing to help pacify his troubled soul. And then when Goliath, that giant Philistine, came and, and threatened the entire kingdom of Saul, who was it that stood up and said, I'll go fight your battle for you? It was that young boy, the only one, maybe who wasn't smart enough to realize he shouldn't do it. No, he trusted in the strength of God and he went. As a reward for his courage, Saul gave David his own daughter in marriage. And yet as soon as David returned from routing the enemy Philistines, Saul's jealousy got the best of him. And he spent the rest of his life pursuing his own son-in-law, trying to take his life. David suffered betrayal from his people, betrayal from his friends, betrayal from his family members. And of course, if you know the story of David, you know that he himself wasn't innocent from these things as well. But have you ever experienced pain by those who were supposed to care for and protect you? Have you ever been gossiped about by those that you had confided in? Have you ever received condemnation instead of consolation? You know, we expect to be attacked by our enemies, but the wounds from our loved ones, those are the ones that harm us to the core. Think of that Roman armor. There's no piece of armor that protects us against the stab in the back. Now, how many have come to spaces like this and their wounded brokenness and, and only be told that they need to fix themselves up before they can belong? 
Maybe not always in so many words, but certainly through our stares and our whispers. And, and ironically, you know, we live in an age where we long for authenticity. We want something real, not something manufactured, not artificial. Yesterday in the bus on the way back from this, the rafting trip, the kids were in the back writing songs using Chatbot GT. They were pretty good. But we can see right through that, can't we? But we're quick to offer transparency. You know, like allowing someone to look through that front window of our house. You know, you know which room you keep in the front of your house. The one that's clean. The one that has the nice furniture. The one where if someone happened to be walking by, they could seem to think that everything is put together. But I can clean that front living room. See, if you never step foot inside my house, you're, you're not going to see the mess in the playroom or the dirty dishes of the sink. You're not going to smell my dog. You can't hurt my feelings. You can't break the things that are most precious to me if you never come inside. But if I invite you in, the moment that you cross the threshold into my home, our relationship changes. And now we have some vulnerability. And if my girls went and gave you the, the full access tour of the house, which they would love to do, They'll show you every closet. They'll point out the coffee stains. They'll take you into the laundry room. They'll show you the piles of unfolded, dirty, sometimes maybe, we're not really sure, laundry that lay in the corners of the room. They might let you dig through the trash. You might hear my unholy frustration because someone had loaded the dishwasher incorrectly. You might hear the tone that I speak with when the credit card statement comes back a little too high and I'm afraid that I'm wasting my precious treasure on things that I don't need. See, I offer transparency instead of vulnerability because I'm in control. I don't invite the intimacy of vulnerability because if you see me without my mask, if you knew who I really am on the inside, you might reject me, you might hurt me, and you might leave me. Yet the Lord is ever near. See, when David comes to the end of himself, when he realizes that he cannot fly away and he cannot fight, then he has no one else to turn to when all else has failed him, he comes running back to the only one who will never, what, leave him or forsake him. He cries out to God with this sure confidence that the Lord, Yahweh, his God's personal name, will save me. Regardless of the day or the hour, he knows that not only does God hear, but he, he is at hand. He starts off, he says, in the evening, and then in the, in the morning and noon. You know, he starts at night. Why does he do that? Isn't that when our anxiety is the greatest? There's those thoughts that have been run, run through minds all throughout the day, and we're... And we're getting settled and, and ready to go to bed, then they start racing back. Isn't it incredible, speaking of designed deficiencies, God created us in such a way that we spend a third of our lives completely cut off from the outside world. Unable to defend ourselves. Unable to see anything that is happening all around us. Maybe that's why the first thing we do when we wake up is we grab our phones to see what we missed when we were asleep. You know, when I was in elementary school, I think maybe first, maybe first or second, I don't remember exactly which one, but I went to a friend's house, stayed the night, in the middle of the night I got sick. 
everywhere. It was terrible. And then in the morning, for some reason, my parents weren't called at night, probably because they didn't want to disturb their sleep. But that morning, I went home, and I went right to bed. And when I woke up, it was almost lunchtime. And you know what? I was so upset because I had missed all of my Saturday morning. I missed missed my Saturday cartoons. I missed that chance to play with my friends. I hated missing out. We're constantly looking and trying to figure out what we meant. We don't want to be ignorant of what's happening with our circle of friends or what's happening in the financial markets or what's happening with our favorite teams or what's happening in the, in the political. You know, we have to be aware of that 24-7 news cycle all the time. And, time, and David cries out to God and, and then he's remi- reminded of truths of what God has done, the truth of who God is and, and the truth of what God of what God has to do. Who is God? David could turn to his own words here. God is our huge and our strength and ever-present, ever-present help in trouble. God brings help and help and not harm. The Lord doesn't bring, doesn't bring a trouble to us, but he is there with us when trouble comes to help us endure it. He hears my voice. He redeems, he redeems soul. So what should we do with our baggage, with our burdens, those things which we can't, can't handle? And David says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Cast, which means to, to throw or to lay down. That term translated burden is, is Yahweh, which is the only time that we find this in the Old Testament. And it's closely related to another, another term that sounds almost exactly the same, Yahab. Yahab okay, there's an E and an A, uh, but in Hebrew it's a little bit different. Which means to to give or to ascribe or to grant, to grant. And the concept is that, that God has granted things, these burdens, into our lives. And David is not forget, forgetful that God is sovereign. And so he understands that every situation that we face has been given to us in some way, shape, or form by God, the God that he held these things. So David says we should give to God what he, he has given to us. You know, what is the alternative? Again, that we're going to take care of our own selves, that we're going to fly away from our, from our troubles. And give to God the burdens that life has given to you because he cares for you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. He, he will never permit you to be shaken. He will never permit you to be defeated. Where can I, can I turn to the Lord? Who can I call on, on the Lord? Can he be trusted? Yes. And will he hear me? He will. His love is always fierce. We're reading through the Chronicles of Narnia at home with our daughters. And, and two nights ago, we got to probably my, my favorite section in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the, the children have found their way into this magical land through a magical wardrobe. And then they come across these, these beavers. And, and there's, there's this witch that's out to get them. And they're, they're, they're terrified and they're afraid. And they hear the name Aslan. Right, and Aslan, if you're not familiar, is, is the, the Christ figure in this story. And then they find out that Aslan is what? A lion. And one of the girls says, oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And then Mr. Beaver, their friend, says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. 
He's the king, I tell you. You see, David knows that the Lord is not safe for his enemies, right? He has power. He has authority. He has dominion and strength. He has power to cast them into the pit of destruction. Nothing can prevail against him or stand against him. Remember, even Jesus told his disciples what? The gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. And what did Jesus mean by that? Remember, what do gates do? Those aren't weapons. Those aren't designed to fight against us. Gates are designed to hold things in. Jesus is saying, the church is my weapon in the world against the darkness and evil that we find. And the church's mission is to love fiercely, to go on the offensive, to make raids and carry out rescue missions in the domain of the evil one. And what is the motivation for that? It's love. The fierce and ferocious love of God. Like the the love of a mama bear when you get between her and her cubs. She'll allow nothing to stand between you. And one of my favorite movies uh, is from the early 2000s when Denzel Washington was at the height of his powers. It's called John Q, and I'm going to spoil it a little for you. You It opens with a little boy collapsing at a baseball game. And it's soon discovered that he has a very serious problem and he needs a heart transplant. There's another problem. It's that mom and dad have only like $1,000 in savings. And this this surgery is going to be $250,000. They're going to need to put $75,000 down just to get his name on the transplant list. And dad's insurance won't cover the procedure. And because they don't have any money, they don't have a a way to raise the money, the, the, the hospital tells them, we're sorry, there's nothing we can do. We're going to just send your little boy home with you. And you can make him comfortable for his, his last days. But, but dad, he doesn't take that for an answer. You know, he grabs a gun and heads to the hospital He takes a bunch of hostages, including the cardiac surgeon, and he demands to get his son on the transplant list. He's a desperate and broken man. We find out later in this story that he has no intention of harming anyone except himself. In fact, in the pivotal scene of the movie, he he shows that the gun was always meant for him. And he says, if I take my life, will you take my heart and put it in my son? The fierce love of the Father. He himself has been pierced by three nails and a spear. See, Scripture tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not our enemy, not our circumstances, not our baggage, not our sin. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Because he stopped at nothing to redeem you. He didn't sit back and watch. He didn't put back his hands and say, there's nothing I can do. He went to work. And Jesus says, hey, come to me, all who are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Actually, says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me if you're burdened. Come to to me if you're, come to me if you realize you've come to the end of yourself. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me because it was his love that led him him to us. It led him to a manger. It led him to a desert. It led him to the crowds. It led him to the temple. It led him to the garden. It led him to the cross. 
His love for us was so fierce that he allowed himself to be pierced. He has saved and he will. He has sustained and he will. He has secured and he will. He has loved and he will. And we can trust in him. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you know the desperate pleas of our hearts. You know our, you know our anxious. You know the betrayal that we have suffered, or Lord, even the betrayal that we have caused. Lord, you, Lord, you know all that, that we have done to create a barrier between you and us, and you said, I won't have that. And Father, you sent your Son, that as we confess to you, our weakness, as we confess to you our iniquity, as we can confess to you our burdens, we can lay them at your feet and trust that you care for us. Give us eyes to see and hearts to trust. We pray this in Jesus' name. As we sing this camp meeting song, meeting song, call it of 